Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Joining us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline with, I think, in large part, a prediction that probably matches a lot of other predictions out there. And you can find all of his work, musings of an old sports writer, substack.com slash at Bob Kravitz. The aforementioned Bob Kravitz does join us. Hello, Bob. Greetings. How are you? Um, I'm kind of like where you are right now. I um I would love to be like blowing sunshine God. everybody up everybody's yeah. rear end, but I, I, I alas I cannot I cannot do it. Yeah, I I fully expected a lot of people to come back at me and say, "Oh man, you're crazy. You're gonna win at least six games, seven games, playoffs, whatever." I found that everybody agreed with me. They're gonna be terrible this year, but you know it doesn't matter. It really does. I mean, it matters to the men in that in the room uh, who put their, their livelihoods, this is their livelihood, and they put their health and well-being on the line every week. But big picture, looking at it, you know, uh, from a journalistic point of view and I think a fan point of view, just getting this kid some snaps and getting AR, you know, where he needs to be going into his second year and beyond. That's all that really matters. To Bob Kravitz again, substack.com slash at Bob Kravitz. You can find all of his works, including uh, that three-win prediction on the season for the Colts. You can find that right there. Has um has Chris Ballard and company, have they done to this point with the personnel on this team a disservice to their rookie quarterback this season? Yeah, I think they have. I mean, you know, you, you look at what Peyton had when he came in in 98. He had two Hall of Famers. He had Marshall Falk and Marvin Harrison. Who in God's name does Anthony Richardson have? You know, I think Michael Pittman is, is a is a very good player. Not great, but very good. Um, I, you know, I think he's a number two probably on, on a lot of other teams. But he's a one here. Um I'm not sold on Pierce yet until I see him do it, which I know is a cop-out, but I just don't know about him. The tight ends, they got a lot of them. They look good coming off the bus, but I don't know if they can play, if they can, you know, change a game. And, uh, of course, the the running back situation is a total total disaster. Uh, Get ready for – I hope you got Zach Moss in your fantasy team. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to look up and down right now. Zach Moss, Evan Hull, um, you know, Deion Jackson. I'm I'm ready to rock with yeah. those guys too. And I'm assuming it's going to be a four wide receiving. There was nothing more Ballard. What do they have? Like eleven defensive linemen and four wide receivers? That's right out of the Ballard playbook right there. Yeah, that really is. <laughs> I, I saw that and I was like, Well, here we go. <laughs> hey, you know, welcome to nineteen eighty eight. Hello, everybody. Yes. <laughs> kept saying in his press conference, well, it's roster mechanics. <laughs> okay. Maybe maybe they can actually get mechanics to play for them. I, well, here's what's funny about this, because in, in all all of the somewhat reasonable logic that, that I have heard, that you have said, that I have talked about anybody really regarding Jonathan Taylor, you know, one of those particular notions out there is that, well, this is clearly Chris Ballard, you know, rethinking 
uh, what he believes the blueprint of a team is for the future. And and first of all, I think this is much more of an Ursay situation. And by the looks of the roster, it doesn't look like right now that Chris Ballard's rethought anything, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and they're not spending money, which is really weird. Because in the past, you know, you always knew that, uh, you know, if they wanted somebody, Jim Ursay was going to spend that cash. And, you know, what are they, $15 million under the cap? I mean, that, you know, uh, you're asking full price on tickets, it, last I checked. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's not a good situation. And I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't believe for one second that this is just Chris Ballard doing Jim Ursay's bidding. I think Chris is totally on board with the Jonathan Taylor approach. And I think he's been burned before by guys at non-essential positions paying them top top of the market rate yeah i just it's it's weird about that because while maybe that is the reason why they're taking a significant stand here bob i think we can both argue of all seasons and of all positions of all producers to take that stand on right now with jonathan taylor and and there must it must be something that's completely unbeknownst to us that we don't know from a taylor side of things but if that's their stance here and now that's ridiculous well, it's funny how deadlines spur action, as we saw in the Nick Boza situation. It seems to spur action everywhere but here in Indianapolis. <laughs> yes, you're right. ever gets done. Now, I mean, I do think that come October 31st, the trade deadline, you're going to have a lot of teams that will be looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, you know what, we're just one home run hitter away. And I think the price is going to go up. So I think – I mean, if I was them, that's what one of the things I'd be counting on. Um, you know, maybe get him. I mean, I whether he ever plays in a Colts uniform again is. I, I think this is going to take another uh, step in the ugliness trail. I really do. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, I mean, clearly last week, and I don't think we've talked since then, Bob, but last week, go back to what Jim Mercer said in the booth of that second preseason game about calming the waters yeah. um, is what Chris Ballard was supposed to do. And and he was doing that, and he had a little combination of, of Chris Ballard, uh, you know, political stuff going on. You know what I mean? Just kind of playing yeah. the, the politician, the used car salesman type of role there. He had a lot of that going on in that mixture last week. I'm not suggesting it was bad. It was certainly necessary. It was something he had to do, but that was kind of what I saw last week with Ballard meeting with you guys. Well, yeah, I thought he was unusually transparent. Um, you know, not unusual for him because he's usually tr- pretty transparent, but I know a lot of a lot of uh, GMs who wouldn't uh, take an hour or 45 minutes or whatever it was to speak to the media. I realize you know, I guess I guess it's somewhat normal to do so after you've cut down the roster to 53. But he he talked about the elephant in the room really from from the jump, and you know made it very. He answered you know 40 minutes worth of Jonathan Taylor questions, and so I give him credit for that. But this whole idea that well, we're not paying him because geez, we only won four games last year. Who the hell's fault was that? I mean, the guy was hurt. He averaged five yards a carry, by the way. Um, you know, I, I think on the list of 100 things that were wrong with the Indianapolis Colts last year, Jonathan Taylor 
might have been number 99. Yeah, base, I, that's what Rick Venturi said with me Friday, but he said like 150. <laughs> So, oh, 150, okay. 150. Right. And, and and you're right about that. And, and I, I know people think that I'm just all the time after Chris, and, and I guess whatever here. But I, I thought what Chris said last week was what Chris had to say last week. And as far as being transparent, I, I don't think there was any other way or measures to take other than that path that he decided to take in answering those questions last week. I also view it this way. I mean, he's a guy – Let's just say this. I mean, he, he has been rebooted. I mean, he's got a new lease on, on life when basically there's about 5% maybe less of general managers in the NFL that ever make it with that record, that resume after six years. Oh, yeah. So, I, I, honestly, I, I think I think that they owe it. I, and this may be wrong of me, Bob. You can answer this. I think that they owe any level of transparency to a lot of folks around here. They just do. Absolutely. And look, the silly plain side videos, all that stuff, it's all nonsense. It's all BS. Um, you know, I mean, look, Chris, Chris is great with the media, but that only goes so far. And do I think he's gotten a little bit of a free pass from me? Probably. I, I don't want to want to ever speak for other people in, in our media group, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think, I think Ryan Grixon, for example, I mean, the guy, well, whatever you thought of them, his team, they never had a losing season. And he, he was very, very gruff with everybody. It wasn't just the media. But, you know, you got to play the game. And, and he didn't want to play. You don't have to play the game if you win big. I mean, Bill Belichick doesn't play the game. And he can say or not say whatever he wants. And I have no idea where this conversation was going. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was some point about 45 seconds ago where you just started making blank up i know i i got it oh, that's yeah. good i like well, it that's, that's pretty much your whole show isn't it <laughs> well i just i started at five after three yes exactly okay, there you go i was executing the go. game plan right there hey speaking of game plan bob kravitz joins us substack.com slash at bob kravitz for all of his works musings of an old sports writer um what's going to be the attack plan offensively all right so we're expecting a lot of anthony richardson but to what degree of dif- difficulty and what level would you expect both well, with the legs and with the arm I think it's be mostly with the legs, um, and that's tough against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's always had a good de- uh, run defense, and certainly we remember what they've done to the Colts the last 300 years or so. Um, but I think I think it'll be a lot of Anthony, uh, whether they're called runs, RPOs, um, wh- whether he's running for his life out of the pocket. I think you're going to see a lot of that. So I think I think if if he can go for 75 to 100 yards. I think they got a, you know, they have a puncher's chance, but they need him to do a lot of things with his legs. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I defensively too. This is one thing that um, that we haven't really talked about, and and because this whole Jonathan Taylor shadow is is really cloaked. You know, a lot of these things that we would probably put more of an emphasis on talking about, but is that secondary? Uh, if if anybody ever needed a flip card in the press box and maybe even in the stands, you may need that coming up on Sunday with many in that particular secondary. What's your expectation on how that goes, in particular here, Bob, early? I think it's going to be a real, real uh, tough learning curve for those guys. 
I mean, you got your two starting cornerbacks are both undrafted free agents, and they're being backed up by two rookies, one of whom, Juju Brents, hasn't gotten much, uh, much time on the practice field because of uh, various injuries. So uh, they're very, very thin. I think they're going to be okay at the, at the, the safety spots. Uh, certainly, I, I think Kenny Moore is going to have a big bounce-back season to the extent that's possible when you're losing. I think Kenny Moore is going to be really good this year. He's looked great in camp, uh, and I think he's got some of the, the the issues out of the way, even though he still wants a new contract. But uh, I think the secondary is really going to struggle, and Jacksonville comes in here not only with a stud quarterback, but they've got much better skill position people, including Calvin Ridley. So the injury report still has Shaquille Leonard in concussion protocol, yet right. uh, today he was listed as full participation in practice. Is is that viewed upon encouraging news? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shane Sykin, let's see, he said he's progressing. He yeah. said the same thing about every player ever. <laughs> uh, and he's only been here a couple of months, for God's sake, but everybody's progressing. If you're interested, I'm progressing, and I'm glad to know that you are progressing. I, I'm uh, much so regressing. So, yes, regressing? that's okay. me right there. Yeah, and I, I have been for the past 10 years, yeah. Are, are you at a bar today? <laughs> no, that's tomorrow. <laughs> then uh, uh, then, tomorrow. then oh. I will be progressing tomorrow. I'll be progressing yeah. tomorrow at Joe's Grill in yeah. Castleton, yeah. Toward, so. toward, toward debauchery, right? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Zach Moss back that uh, broken arm, limited yeah. in participation. It, it, it sounds to me like that they really have their fingers crossed on him being able to play on Sunday. I, I'm, I guess, very skeptical about it. How about you? Well, we, we talked to him yesterday, actually. Was, no, yeah, yeah, yesterday. And he seemed to think he's going to be good to go. But, you know, players always think they're good to go. Yeah. So it's hard to say, but uh, he certainly uh, he certainly looked fine. In my my professional medical opinion, his, his arms still seem detached. So, uh, <laughs> he's right there. That, I, I have to take that as that as as he's progressing. Yeah, it's uh, Bob Kravitz again. You can find his work at substack.com slash at Bob Kravitz. What, what's your latest musing? Well, I... Uh, my my latest musing is on uh, Deion Sanders and how much fun I had watching him give all the people in my business crap the other day. But what what Dion Dion does what Dion understands, but he's doing this for because of it's sports theater is that media isn't there to cheer, and I mean there are some in the business who are, and it's embarrassing and they don't belong in the business. But I just talked about. You know what our job is, and to some of the personal personal experiences I've had with athletes giving me crap, and how I deal with it, and uh, you know it, it's kind of all over the place, John. You have to read it. Well, I mean, it's because the business in general is all over the place, right? I mean, yeah, you it got really is. it is it is rapid fire from every conceivable direction right now i mean it is it is something it really I mean, and i always thought that what i'm doing right now because of you know podcasts and technology and all that stuff but i mean when, when you're when you're writing the the written word with technology right now i mean it's even more so prevalent more so available oh. it's incredible tell tell me about it i just started my own damn website <laughs> you know i can i can barely text you know uh you know, my uh, uh, Scott Agnes, our mutual friend, uh, 
he uh, he showed me how to podcast yesterday. So I'm going to get back to podcasting because the first one with uh, our friend Mr. Venturi, uh, he did a great job, but it kind yeah. of sucked because the sound the sound wasn't very good. So I, I think uh, I think Scott has got me on the right track. Yeah, and this this is all stuff, and not only is this stuff that when you get older doing this, Bob, you have to do, sure. but this is also the footprint in which you're first starting out that you also do. So it, it, it's just, it, it's weird. I mean, normally, you know, there's this pecking order of those that start to those that have been in the business and successful for a long time. And now it's just kind of everybody thrown together and it's who the people content wise digest better than the other. It, it truly is a race. Yeah. And it really is. Another thing too is, you have to develop a brand, and I, I guess I developed a little bit of a brand, you know, in the twenty-something years uh, I've been here. But now I really have to sell myself, and I'm, uh, you know, it's just not something I'm used to, or something I'm terribly comfortable with. But uh, you know, I'm getting stuff out on Instagram by God, and that's all that counts. Speaking of uh, brand, how on brand was it? There's always something. With, with IU football, and it's always like you always get something where you go, oh, wow, that's great, like the defensive effort against Ohio State Saturday, and then you yeah. always get some sort of disaster anchor that drags the whole thing down, and that's what you got with the offense, and that's right on brand. If they can score 40, they're going to give up 45. We've seen that. Yeah. If they, if they yeah. can hold Ohio State to 23, they're going to score three. Yeah. We've seen that. I mean, they're just they're just not good or deep enough to put both sides together. And the thing that that, uh, that makes me laugh, and I maybe maybe he's right, I don't know, but Walt Bell, the offensive coordinator, saying that both Sorsby and Daniel and uh, 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 Jackson, David Jackson, will someday be in the NFL. What? What? Yeah. 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 I, I'm sorry. If that's true, why didn't you let them throw the ball beyond five yards the other day? Yeah, it it did look like it was just an it, it it almost felt like that they were good with maintaining the under, you know, and and you know what I mean. And, I mean, as far as you know, getting under the thirty point mark with the Vegas pronostications, I know that wasn't the case. But if you right, watch that right. game and the way that they called plays, that's what it felt like. It felt like they were trying to uh, beat the spread. Yeah, it was Absolutely weird. Absolutely, I'm sure that it wasn't. But uh, <laughs> I mean, they just they played not to get blown out to keep it relatively close in the uh, in the third fourth quarter. Which you know, I mean, mission accomplished. They kept it close, but they did absolutely nothing offensively, and uh, it's going to be a tough road. I mean, what what's what's the over under for the three teams? IU, Purdue, and the Colts. Somebody on my Twitter suggested 12, and I think that's about right. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you picked the Colts to win three. So, two or three. Uh, so, three, and, and you picked Purdue. To, Purdue's schedule, to me, is tough. They, their schedule really tough. doesn't let up until basically the final two weeks of the season when they get yeah. IU and Northwestern. Right. Last year, you remember, Purdue had a pretty easy schedule. Not, you know, I mean, relatively easy yeah. schedule compared to what it could have been. And they went, what, 8-4 and four and got to the bowl game. Um, much tougher schedule this year. So, I would think they win 
four or five, I would bet IU would win three or four, and I would bet the, the Colts would win between two and two and four. I would take the under on twelve with a three, wouldn't you? I'd have to think about it. Uh, I'm a positive guy, Jamby. <laughs> you I'm sound gonna, like it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll probably take the under. Who the hell am I kidding? <laughs> Oh, it's uh, Bob Kravitz right there. Who's who's easier you think to to find the groove, so to speak? Here is it uh, defensively with what they're doing at Purdue because they have the offense, or offensively at IU because of the way that defense really did play against Ohio State on Saturday. Which is easier to yeah, they, to find maybe a more collective balance? Yeah, I, boy, that's a tough question. I I would think it'd be a little uh, easier to get your defense put together i mean if, look if you don't have the quarterback you you can't win and i realize these guys are both going to be playing on sundays in the nfl yeah according to wall Powell, but um but I, i'm not sure they have the quarterback at least purdue appears to have a quarterback and so i think it's a little easier to build yourself up on defense i think remember joe tiller i don't remember who he lost to in the opener but he lost to some nothing team in the opener, and, you know, he, he obviously went on and had a wonderful career at Purdue. Um, not saying Fresno State's nothing. This is, what, 10 wins in a row? Yeah, Jeff Tedford's a good coach, too, so that's the other part yeah, about that, yeah. Jeff Tedford from Cal originally, but, yeah, you, you can't lose at home in your head coach's debut. And they he made some mistakes now. He made some serious mistakes. And why they continue to run the ball up the middle when they had a four-string center and backup guards on third and two, fourth and two, fourth and one. They got stuffed every time. At what point do you say, this isn't working? Maybe we should try something different. Yeah, that's a hell of a plan you got right there. No <laughs> right. you know, no question about that. So, you, Does it, uh, you think, make IU fans, and you know, what are you going to do about it? But does it kind of make them sick to notice what uh, Caleb DeBoer and, and Michael Penix Jr. are doing in Seattle with this Husky team right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's – look, Michael Penix needed a fresh start. Yeah. I don't think it's a reflection on, on IU necessarily. The poor kid just kept getting hurt. Uh, I'm thrilled for him. He's a really nice young guy. I don't know Kalen DeBoer all that well, yeah. but uh, it, it's great. He's going to be in the Heisman Trophy uh, conversation, I would think, along with, you know, Shador and, and uh, Caleb Williams, obviously, and uh, Drake May. Well, and, and, if DeBoer, if there's one thing DeBoer knows, it seems like he's been around a lot of good offense. I mean, didn't he have a stop at Fresno in between IU, yeah. I believe, as a head coach? That was after IU was the offensive coordinator. And, you know, he seems to know a little bit about offense. I like that. Yeah, he's uh, – boy, it would be nice to have him at IU right now, wouldn't it? <laughs> well – that's why I, why I brought it up, but I don't know what you're going to do. So it, I think we said the same thing, did we not? You know, regarding Bruce Arians here back in oh, with uh, with uh, Chuck Pagano too. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right. Uh, what's next for you? Uh, I'll uh, I'll have something probably on uh, Darius. L- Sha- I'm sorry, Shaq Leonard uh, <laughs> tomorrow, um, making his comeback, and uh, I'll have some on Anthony Richardson later in the week, and. Uh, cover the game and yes the dopey report card is coming back oh beautiful well we'll be sure to make sure that bill gets that wherever bill is so oh bill i'll send i'll send it to bill uh ups i mean you probably get along with it now don't you yeah i get along fine he he thinks i'm an idiot but you know get in line buddy yeah i get along with a lot of those people too yeah Yeah. no doubt Uh, i mean 
he he does he doesn't like me, but he he tolerates. <laughs> it's a little it's a little bit like my marriage, you know. <laughs> All right, buddy. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate you. We'll do it again soon. Boy, I hope my wife is listening. Yeah, see you, man. She better be too. I I need her listenership here. I value that. Okay. Hopefully, she is. Need the numbers. All right, All right brother. Later on, Bob Kravitz, right there. Uh, so does our next guest. He's got a new show going on with uh, Andy Sweeney, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. believe it is the second week of existence now for uh, the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. It's uh, the KB portion of that Kevin Bowen who joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Second week, right? Uh, week three. Week three? Right? Where was I? Really? Week three. Boy, that might be the longest you've ever kept me on hold there i'm trying yeah to no i was i was trying to be a, i was trying to be a crank in doing that that was purposely done yeah i was so making you i was meat. i was having you weather the storm i was jotting everything down nickelback <laughs> frosted tips shirt off and the garrisons you're seeing you okay pray, pray for them i think you i think, I think you stuck in a bullseye so yeah, i did you know, i got, did well, dave chappelle we've got 9 a.m covered and 10 a.m when things start over there it's a great tailgate spot coming up on sunday and i'm sure i forgot a few other things there. yeah are you going to join so, yeah, me by the way week three you're going to join me on the phone sunday morning at about 9 10 or so all right, cool. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's our that's our annual Sunday home game combos, right? It is. I sit right back there and get everybody prepared. And then uh right at the very end, once I hang up with you, DJ Skids like starts blasting music and I can no longer hear anything. Pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are things going with Andy Sweeney? Did you know that I offered up a prize for you guys for your fantasy football league in the morning? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, the winner it's winner it's winner take all and the winner gets Andy Sweeney for a day. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And I, wow. yeah, I've offered that up because I didn't know you guys if you guys had anything to give away. Yeah, we actually Yeah, we actually did the great folks at uh, Big Lug reached out. And, oh, um, Big Lug. Big yeah. Lug. I got you. See, somebody big said I thought they action. said Big Log. And I was thinking, I don't know, is that the, like the Robert yeah. Plant song or something that I would like laugh about? But no, Big Lug's yeah. legit right there. That's nice. Legit, yeah. Big time gift card coming from them for first place. So I don't know. I guess maybe the winner, yeah. they can decide if they want the gift card or if they want Andy for the day. Well, I think now you just have to offer both. Do you have a runner-up prize now? <laughs> Andy, I, I, Andy Sweeney's the runner-up prize. Yeah, I would say, well, again, I think first place gets to pick, and I don't know if you'd pick Andy for the day or if you go gift card and then runner-up just gets uh, whatever's left over there. I so, think he just – Andy Sweeney for a day in about a month, there's going to be a lot there because he's, yeah. he's got a little uh, little boy uh, on the way here in about a month, month and a half. Yeah, so, uh, and you know, Andy Andy Sweeney at the end of the year, whoever wins can get now Andy Sweeney, I guess, is a, a runner-up prize, and he could come out and – you know, perform some services in and around the house, right? <laughs> like, uh, you know, maybe at that time, shoveling snow. I mean, he's got that, that red beard working. It's like a Brillo pad. He could scrub the countertops with that. Yeah. yeah what do you think? Perform, perform some services is certainly quite the thing to throw on the flyer there. Yeah. Uh, when you're when you're requesting a human for the day. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll run it by Andy tomorrow. Oh, morning. no, you don't need to do that. I've already made the decision. You don't need to run it oh. by Andy. It's, the decision's been made. Perfect. Yeah. Well, so he just you just tell him that that's what's happening. Okay, I got it. Is this part of his initiation? 
Um, I, I don't know if I would call it. Would you call this hazing? Is this hazing? No. Well, no. I, uh, I guess it depends on what the what the services are. There could be a lot of forms <laughs> of that that uh, he could provide there. So I know he's been doing a lot of house projects. Has uh, he really? Lately, and um, they've been having to sell their home. And the you know he he's technically in Indiana. Uh, address he's sellersburg indiana yeah that's really northern kentucky that's northern kentucky though really he's in northern kentucky Kentucky. yeah you get down that far south and and you're a member of the commonwealth i mean you're lucky you're lucky on the indiana side you have indoor plumbing and you go to a dentist and stuff that's the only difference (laughs) so new albany jeffersonville uh, oh yeah i mean is is seymour the cutoff that's northern indiana no or i should say northern kentucky yeah probably (laughs) I would say I, I'll still I'll give them Austin as well. We'll go all the way to Austin. Seymour is kind of Southern Indiana right there, and then the rest is Northern Kentucky. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Um, so okay, well that's good to know. Just like that, you know, our fantasy football league is now kind of abundant of prizes. Of that. Yeah. So yeah, that you the, the runner you got a runner up prize now. Shout out to Big yeah. Lug for offering up the the gift card for the winner. But now for you know the runner up, you have Andy Sweeney for a day. Sounds like a hell of a prize. Again, I think I can make the argument that if you if you're first place, you would rather. I, I've said this before about Andy. There's no need to drink coffee in the morning. Andy's going to give you all the energy that you need there. Well, I just think with Andy too. I I think what you're going to get is also a copy of Andy Sweeney um, doing word for word the spoken word of the Gettysburg Address too. Because I know he's got that memorized, right? So what do you think? <laughs> well, you have, you have we'll put that on tape somewhere. Yeah, I don't know about its historical preferences there. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the college that well, he went to. Um, yeah, I was thinking about escaping me right now. I was just thinking about that. I was I was thinking that he may have that memorized, but we could also do this uh, because he's of the age group, kind of like you are to a degree, that he can memorize the James Vanderbeek speech in the locker room in Varsity Blues and put that down on tape for somebody. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. I mean. The more the merrier here. He's going to perform services. He's doing house projects and Gettysburg and pregame speeches. Yeah, James Vanderbeek from Varsity Blues in the locker room. What do you think? I like it. I mean, again, I think the big luck gift certificate is obviously outstanding, but we yeah. keep on adding to it. That might be the premium prize here in the league. It's uh, Kevin Bowen, morning show, 7 until 10. We're talking about uh, he and uh, Andy Sweeney every morning, Monday through Friday, right here on The Fan. So good news today that it was full participation, although still within concussion protocol for Shaquille Leonard. Is that good news? Yeah, I think so. I mean, anytime you got a guy dealing with a concussion for three weeks, it's not you know good news. Um, and today was the third week. Of that, he suffered at uh, first joint practice with the Bears, and anytime he's got a guy with a concussion now for a second time in a 12-month period when he really hasn't played much, you know that obviously is not ideal. But I think anytime you have someone in concussion protocol and they practice in a without a non-contact jersey on, he had the same jersey everybody else would have on, so that means full contact. If he does that on a Wednesday, it's usually a pretty good sign for him playing on Sunday and. I just think the Leonard storyline, John, in the normal offseason would be the dominant one, and I think it's a critical one because, you know, he, he can't just be a normal linebacker. I mean, you're, you're paying him $20 million a year to be the elite playmaker that he was, you know, through the first handful of seasons of his NFL career. And I know we're getting way down the road in all of this, but I do think it's something you have to acknowledge if he doesn't provide that sort of playmaking, you've got to look long and hard at that contract 
after this season. And there's another dynamic to that, considering his agent is Jonathan Taylor's agent and all of that. But I think this is such a vital, important year for Leonard to prove that he can stay on the field, he can be back to his normal self, because if not, um, the Colts have got to do something that they really haven't done in the Chris Bauer era, and I think that's look long and hard at that contract and, and potentially getting out of it. Well, uh, Kevin Bowen joins us. Here's the other aspect of it, because we've been through a myriad of, of reasons, some reasonable, some not so much, as to why they have chosen to draw the line in the proverbial sand regarding Jonathan Taylor. And one of those reasons, and you and I have talked about this, is you know the belief that maybe Chris Ballard has decided to go a different course, chart a different path than what he has believed in in the past. Um, and, you know, that's why they're dealing with Jonathan Taylor hardcore the way that they are right now. So I, I think it would stand to reason. I'm not necessarily sure about it because I look at this roster and see 500 defensive linemen and four wide receivers. And I think that pretty much sounds like Chris Ballard that I know and you know as well. Uh, but, you know, if that's a reason, you do have to look at that long and hard, right? And moving forward here regarding the play and you know what you get, because considering now, if you were going to take a stand on somebody in a year, this would not be the somebody in the year with Jonathan Taylor in mind, considering where they are. But if you're going to truly take that stand, you have to look at Shaquille Leonard differently than maybe you have in the past. Yeah, without question. And, and you know, to your point, you know, I've said for the past few months now. You know, positions that directly impact Anthony Richardson, I think you invest into that side of the ball, offensively that is, like you would you've got a legit playoff team and you're trying to get over the hump or you're trying to find that extra piece. Like, um, I think all hands on deck offensively because it's so important to support Richardson early on. Um, defensively, I think you can be a little bit more open-minded to that because, you know, you are – certainly in the secondary opting for a youth movement. And I'm, and I'm good with it. Like I, I, I totally fine with them, you know, playing a bunch of young guys back there in that secondary, but it's the offensively where, you know, to your point, I, I just don't understand it fully. Um, and that's outside of even just the Taylor situation. Um, but it's not something the Colts have done, even dating back to the Grigson era where, you know, they have you know, gotten out of contract. I mean, Leonard signed through 2026, I mean, that is a long time. Yeah, it is. But he makes an extraordinarily high number at linebacker, and it he can't just be what Zaire Franklin was last year. Zaire Franklin had a really nice season. But, you know, the splash the splash plays, the turnovers, the the timely game-changing interception fumbles that he made so routine, which, again, linebackers just don't do, you have to have that. And for a guy with peak athleticism that – has barely been on the field for the last, you know, 18, 24 months. Um, I think he'd be naive not to be curious about how he's going to look. I don't think he'll play every snap when he gets back out there, if indeed it is Sunday. Um, I, I do think they'll rotate DJ Speed a little bit more in for him, so that'll be a little bit of a change from normal. So how much he plays, how he looks, and the big-picture conversation that comes off that, uh, to me, it's a definite storyline this season. That's Kevin Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you think they'll view – um, some of these high-dollar amounts on that offensive line in similar fashion? Good question. Um, I would hope. I mean, I, I guess it kind of goes back to your Taylor point. If you're going to, you know, kind of fine-tooth comb his situation, you would think that everybody would be under the same microscope. 
uh, and I'm trying to think. I mean, none of those guys are in contract years. I right. think Kelly has two years left. So, But if you have another year of down play um, collectively right. and individually, which I don't think is out of the realm of expectation, I mean, that has to be put under the microscope, much like you put everything else. I mean, even if it's not a, a similar set of circumstances, Kev, right? You still got to look at it like that. Yeah, I, I think looking at it and acting on it, you know, probably is not the exact same situation as linebacker. And I know this might sound like a cop out, but at linebacker, you've kind of always had this EJ Speed waiting in the wings. And, and he's under contract. You know, I think it was a two year deal he resigned back in the spring. So he would be the obvious answer. If you look on the O line, I mean, there's no obvious answers to the backup. I mean, Danny Pinter suffers the season in an injury during the contract year, so that's brutal for him. I mean, when they go out there on Sunday, John, their two backup offensive tackles are two rookies that were taken in the fourth and the seventh round. I mean, we we watched last year a third-round rookie at left tackle, you know, have some obvious growing pain. So, you know, now they're backup for Bernard Ryman at left, and – Braden Smith at right, again, our fourth and a seventh-round pick. And the seventh-round pick wasn't even on your team until, you know, seven days ago. So that's where uh, maybe it's not as obvious. Certainly if you were to move on from one of them, I I guess Kelly would be the most obvious considering his age and his contract and probably his play if you're going to group him, Braden Smith, and Quint Nelson into a trio. uh, You know, what would be the move at, at center? And I guess that still is probably a question just in general of, like, do you have any sort of pairing at center moving forward? Obviously, Saturday and Manning um, speaks for itself. But, you know, when you think back to the Luck era, it wasn't as much of a, revol- a revolving door at left tackle. It, it really wasn't. Costanza was the guy over there. The revolving door for Luck was at center and, you know, other line spots. But, you know, I mean, he had so many. I'm trying to think of all the different centers he had from – you know, Samson Satelle to A.Q. Shipley to Jonathan Harrison and Khalid Holmes. And, I mean, those are kind of the front end of the era, guys. Obviously, they drafted Kelly in whatever it was, 2016, and that kind of stabilized it there for a bit. But uh, you would certainly try and find somebody for Richardson that you could grow with moving forward. And Ryan Kelly, you know, is 30 years old and is only under contract for another season after this. Uh, Kevin Bowen from the morning show it is the morning wake up call with KB and Andy. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So we talked about the offensive line, wide receivers. I, is how, how far out of the norm do you view uh, the roster mechanics at wide receiver that Chris Ballard is going with right now? Well, they got four as we stand right here, correct? And I, who knows what they end up activating somebody from the practice squad uh, that combined with running back two-parter right here and your expectation going to be moss going to be good to go coming back from that broken arm or you know who might we be talking about maybe more so than anybody else sunday well running back wise yeah i'm still kind of waiting to see with zach moss um you know for what it's worth i mean he practiced today didn't have a red jersey on so again that means full contact he did like the little uh, you know, ball security gauntlet, if you will, for anybody that's been out to practice, you know, pretty much all the coaches and staff members just, you know, with a bunch of pads, just hit on these guys as they run through a straight line with the ball in their hands. And he, he did that. But, you know, there were still some moments where I'm like, man, it might look like Deion Jackson and Evan Hall coming up on on Sunday. So we'll see about Moss. I, I don't want to overread the situation too much, but obviously you don't expect Moss to miss much time. 
end of the season, is that kind of, you know, correlating with they haven't done anything of substance at running back from a veteran standpoint? I mean, we saw the Kenyon Drake thing for a couple weeks of camp, but that was it. Um, And then wideout-wise, you know, I think – I'm not stunned that they didn't keep a fifth wideout. Like, it – we could go and cut down tap, and I remember on the morning just saying, like, I'm throwing a dart at a dartboard here, and I'll keep Jawan Winfrey, and he's down on the practice squad. But I don't think there was anybody, like, worthy of keeping. And that's why I kept five tight ends. Like, to me, the tight ends have a little bit more clout to them. They actually did something of substance in camp, whereas a fifth wideout once Ashton Doolin went down, I didn't see anybody deserving. And obviously that is an indicator of what you have on the roster, certainly. But I also think when you get into game day, yeah, I mean, fifth tight end, you're probably not going to use that. Now, granted, Jelani Woods is on injured reserve, so now you have four. Um, but I, I would say there's a better chance you would use a, a fourth tight end than a fifth wideout. I mean, I guess the back end is both special team-wise. I think when you really will feel it, John, is let's go back to last year when you faced Jacksonville the first time. You played that opener in Houston. Um, Alex Pierce has a concussion in that game. Pittman gets banged up. Both of them are out for week two. And you had Paris Campbell as your number one wideout, and that did not go well at all. And you were shut out. Your offense couldn't do anything. Um, that is when I think you will feel it. If and when Michael Pittman and or Alex Pierce suffer an injury, your other wideouts are just a couple slot guys in Josh Downs and Isaiah McKenzie. So I think that's when you'll feel like the missing of a Doolin or anybody else of substance. And this goes back to March. I mean, this is why in March when it was traded out like Paris Campbell for yeah. Isaiah McKenzie and then the addition of Josh Downs, you still, to me, had to look at that group and think, man, you know, can you find another, I think, out a taller receiver would be, the I think, the simplest way to describe it because Downs and McKenzie just aren't those guys. And if Pittman or Pierce are to go down, I mean, you are really, really scrambling for, again, those outside wideouts. So I think that's where you're going to feel it at some point this season if and when those guys do suffer injuries. Hey, hey Kev, and, and that's a good point you bring up because I asked Bob Kravitz this a little bit earlier um, regarding – and this more in tune with Jonathan Taylor not being around, um, but I think you can equate that to what you were just talking about at wide receiver as well. Do you think that this this Colts organization, and starting with Chris, have, have they done to start this season especially, and we'll see, I guess, as it moves along, have they done their rookie quarterback that's incredibly inexperienced a disservice by what they have on this roster to start the season? Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's frankly a joke. The the the, I, the lack of support. And I understand around. the whole rebuild aspect of it, but wh- how and why could you not at least try to put this a, a little bit better and not not so ridiculously conservatively? You got the money to do it. They're not spending it. it, it how does this make sense to you? Because it doesn't to me. Well, it, it doesn't now, and it didn't even last year. I mean. If you remember last year, John, they didn't make a single outside the building offensive free agent acquisition there for a vast majority of the offseason. And as much as Matt Ryan didn't support you, I didn't think you supported him either. And, you know, trying to have these like resurrection plans of no, 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 we have a better support system here. You, you know, Atlanta didn't, Philly didn't for Carson, and the Chargers didn't for, for, for Phillip, you know, come here and reap the benefits of it. And, and it just wasn't true. And then with Richardson's case, I mean, right now, 
again, a, a wildly unique quarterback prospect, unlike anything we've seen in the NFL, certainly in recent memory, you're asking him to play with one of, if not the worst, unproven, however you want to find it, running back rooms in the league. Uh, I would call the wideout group bottom quartile. And I do think the tight ends have a little bit of intrigue to me, but still, it, it's incredibly unproven. That quartet outside of Mo Ali Cox and I guess a little bit of Kylan Granson. So, yeah, it, it's quite the undertaking. And, you know, if you just look in our little bubble here of this NFL franchise and you go back to what Andrew Luck had, I mean, that was Reggie Wayne with a big-time 2012 season. I mean, he was outstanding in Luck's rookie year, of 1,300-yard guy, and we all remember the Green Bay game. And, I mean, he was a Pro Bowl level without question wide out before then he tore his ACL that next season. And if you go back to even Peyton's rookie year, I mean, John, you could certainly speak to this, whether it was, you know, what you had with Marvin and Marshall Falk, but even like a Ken Dilger was an established guy at that point. I mean, Torrance Small had a nice rookie season with Peyton. That would be Peyton's rookie year where, you know, he was a guy that at least done something in a handful of years. There's no Torrance Small in this wideout room where, you know, if you're talking about that insurance policy, while you hope Pittman ascends to number one, and while you hope Pierce makes his second year jump, those are still big hope questions there. So, yeah, I mean, the support for Richardson, lack thereof, is probably the better way to put it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's clearly there, and it's um, it, it's quite a lot you're putting on his plate. Yeah, I mean, in between, uh, if, do I remember this accurately, between Vic Ballard and Donald Brown? Didn't they go over like 1,200 yards combined on the ground together? Am I wrong yeah, about that? Sounds about right. I want to say Vic had like 800-ish. Um, eh. And obviously Dwayne Allen and Kobe Flynn were huge in that first season. And T.Y. Yeah. You know, had a really nice right. I, I just know, I think about it in, in year, terms but... of, of that support. That That's a pipe dream with the group as it stands right now in the backfield. Yeah, and again, it's more just like – you know, we had Reggie Wayne on a couple weeks ago, and Reggie brought up the, you know, he was able to tell Andrew Luck right away, hey, man. And, again, this is Andrew Luck. Like, at times I feel like just such a disservice comparing Anthony Richardson to Andrew Luck entering the NFL. I mean, this goes back to the Chris Ballard answer last week when he said Andrew Luck for the question about, you know, are you hindering or stunting Richardson's development of all? He's like, well, you know, did it stunt Andrew Andrews at all and I'm like well Andrew Luck was a two-time Heisman Trophy runner-up I mean, <laughs> yeah yeah can we look at the Andrew Luck oh yeah that, that was beyond silly last week yeah yeah you know college resume and obviously Peyton you know we don't need to go down that path but you know when we had Reggie Wayne on a few weeks back John he said he went up to Andrew in the spring I was like all right let me lead the offense whenever you feel comfortable just let me know all back out of the way, and boom, this is your offense, this is your team, you go. And I think Robert Mathis was kind of in on that conversation a little bit as well. It's like, you know, we can do that. I mean, right now offensively, Richardson doesn't have any of that, especially at the skill groups. I mean, even a guy like Ryan Kelly, it's not like he's been this mainstay captain year in and year out. If I'm not mistaken, this might be Kelly's first year as a captain. I don't think he was one last year. Uh, I don't think Quentin Nelson is that verbally. Braden Smith certainly is not that yeah. either. So that's where it, you're, again, even throwing more on that Richardson plate there, and it just doesn't 
um, add up to me at all. Yeah, it, it's it's incredibly hard to understand. And so many people probably lob the same thing to you as they do to me. Well, you guys just don't understand this is a rebuild. No, we, we perfectly understand that. But the whole rebuild at this point for what they're dealing with and what they're trying to evolve and mature and grow under center, or not so much under center, but obviously a quarterback in this case with Anthony Richardson, that is the part that doesn't make sense to us. And I would agree. So. Yeah. Yes, you can call it a rebuild, but let's not overlook how vitally important these years are. No doubt. Developing Richardson. You know, if you don't get these young quarterbacks right in year one, two, three, four, it's not like four and five. All of a sudden, a snap of a finger happens, and boom, or they go somewhere else. Like, okay, Ryan Tannehill is maybe the only one you can point to. Uh, you know, somewhat flamed out in the team that drafted him. And then moved on, and I guess has had I don't know how you define Tannehill's success in Tennessee, decent success. So that's why I think you have to look at year one, two, three. You can call them rebuilds, but you still need to make sure um, that that cover is stocked as much as you can to make sure. And that's why I've said with the Taylor thing, you know, if injury wasn't, and again, say injury in quotes, you know, I've always said three years and thirty nine million, or yeah, three years for thirty nine. 13 annually is what I would say to Taylor front load that because then once you get to the end of that year three, that's your first big decision on Richardson. That's when you have to pick up the fifth year team option for him. And then that's when you can maneuver. Cause at that point, okay, do you see the value in having that elite running back out that Richardson has established himself a little bit more, you know, where do you want to use that money? How that comes off the books. Whereas if you did the franchise tag, you would just back end some of that and it would make things a little bit harder to be flexible and uh, and maneuver yeah they don't want to give him a dime more by the way either and his this season cannot be a disastrous backpedal even compared to last year because i don't want to talk about this right now but all these different things that might come at us i mean if it is over the course of this season or are things that we just don't want to have to discuss and we'll talk about that maybe hopefully not at a later date all right tomorrow morning seven until 10 a.m again weekday mornings it is the uh, uh morning wake-up call with kb and andy and remind andy that he's the runner-up price all right in your fantasy league yeah yeah do not ask him Remind yes, him. Uh, remind him right. that that's the case. Okay. All right, my brother. I appreciate you. All right, see you, John.